Alright, let's fucking go. Welcome to Twitch of the Death Nerve, a cult movie podcast that takes a deep dive into a different film each episode. Our wide-ranging discussions will touch on genre, culture, and the history of psychotronic cinema. I'm Charles. I'm Sam. I'm John. And it's the Super Bowl over here at Twitch the Death Nerve. It's Hanukkah. It's 9-11. It's the Devil's Birthday. It's friggin' Nudie Magazine Day. Whatever day is most sacred to you, that's what today is for us. And while we love the fact that our show is so broad, one week we're covering an influential French thriller, the next uh, recap of a 10 movies psychotronic marathon held in Austin, Texas, then it's Italian cannibal films, pinky violence, spaghetti westerns, not to mention all the deranged shit that comes up in our bonus episodes, but in, in all honesty, there is still so much left for us to discuss, and we haven't touched on German splatter or the Thai flying head folklore known as Krasu, but it may seem like we're copping out a little bit by going back to the well and discussing a genre we've already hit on, but goddamn, we friggin' love Category 3 movies so much. It's such a bonkers subgenre, and in the last couple of years, it's really felt like like the cult movie world has taken a, a real shine to these films, and we just feel like it's our godly duty as microphone-clad nerds to beat the drum of reprehensibility as loud as we can. Yeah, I think this will probably be the second of many Category 3 episodes. <laughs> yeah. And this is one in particular that we've been dying to do for a while now, and... It's just sort of the perfect time because this film recently got a gorgeous Blu-ray restoration and it's a title that we've brought up on past episodes and, you know, on social media and our discord and people always say, you know, where can I find it? And we always tell them, don't watch it yet because the bootleg is fuzzy and gross yeah. and now it is pristine and gorgeous which means we can finally discuss Billy Tang and Danny Lee's 1992 Jello Jiggler serial killer <laughs> opus starring the absolute king Simon Yam, and that is Dr. Lamb. Jelly Jiggler. <laughs> Jello Jiggler. Jello Jiggler. <laughs> That's awesome. The the severed titty hot potato scene was like when I realized uh, like I love this movie. This is why I come come back to the movies. Yeah. It yeah, reaches no, a new level. It's why I get out of bed in the morning. This is this is the stuff, you know, this is it. <laughs> I feel like in our personal conversations off the air, we reference that scene all the time. Yeah, it, it comes up not quite daily, but uh, but pr pretty often. <laughs> Probably more often than it should. All right, and now I know um, our Untold Story episode, it went into some similar territory. Uh, and if you're listening to the show, you probably already have an idea of what Category 3 films are. But, you know, just for the sake of context, I'm going to quick rattle off this kind of precursory history lesson. Episode recap. Yeah, it's, it's, it's previously on Twitch of the Death. Yes, Nerve. yes. yes. So, in the mid-1980s, John Woo released this wildly popular and genre-defining heroic bloodshed film called A Better Tomorrow, one of our all-time favorite movies. And in addition to kicking off several careers and inspiring countless other films, there was this growing concern in Hong Kong about the influence that these 
sort of hyper-violent triad action movies could have on kids. So this new rating system was adopted. Category 1 meant your film was suitable for all ages. This was where things like... Uh, like Mr. Vampire or or The Happy Ghost would go. Rated G, basically. Yeah, yeah, kids' movies. G, PG, you know, yeah, kid shit. And Category 2 was for slightly more questionable stuff. I imagine that this is where you would find, like, a Jackie Chan movie or a Sammo Hung film. There's violence and implied sexual themes, but, you know, nothing that's going to offend too many parents, you know, save for the real sticks in the mud. And then there is Category 2B. And this is where John Woo's A Better Tomorrow ultimately fell when the Hong Kong Government Film Rating Board took a second look at it. Uh, basically, 2B are, are what you would think of in the U.S. as R-rated movies. Uh, you have a parent or guardian with you. You can go see them. No problem if you're a kid, at least. And then, finally, there is Category 3. Cat 3 movies are... Uh, equivalent in ways to our X rating or NC-17. As a movie theater or video dealer, you cannot legally sell this stuff to kids. A bunch of movies that came out before 1988 were then retroactively given the Cat 3 rating. These are classic films. You got Devil Fetus, Seating of a Ghost, The Seventh Curse. Uh, uh, what's that one you like? The fucking... It's like a triad movie. Hong Kong Godfather? I love that movie. That was one of the retroactive Cat 3 movies that... that Why is Seventh Curse, though? I know. Seventh Curse is... uh, I think they were just having fun. They wanted that Cat 3 rating. It was in, like... I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of a... It's a cute movie. It is. It's... But it's, like, not even 2B. Yeah. I I, I would... I would agree. Well, no. There's some stuff. I think there's, like, a little bit of a rape scene in there somewhere. Could you get a Cat 3 for tone? Sort of like how Texas Chainsaw Massacre got banned in England for you tone. Know, you know, I am going to go out on a limb and say that, yes, there are some movies that feel like Cat 3 movies yeah. that don't quite go all the way, but also, like, every conversation is illicit, you know? Like, and everything that's going on is just, like, kind of... Or, or for content, like, Happy Together, which doesn't have any explicit sex in it, but because it's about two gay men in a relationship it's immediately cat three yeah and of course um one that we already covered uh choi hark's dangerous encounters of the first kind Another yeah great... you can't build bombs at home no without no. being rated cat three so those were just a handful of the movies that got reappraised after this new rating system went into effect and it wasn't until early on maybe it might have been the summertime of 1988 when T.F. Mao's grisly Men Behind the Sun hit the Hong Kong rating board. And now they got their first taste of the insanity that was to come with the adoption of this new system. I mean, the fucking, the genie was out of the bottle, you know? There was no putting the toothpaste back in the tube. Once this Category 3 bell was rung, it could not be unrung. More movies started to hit Hong Kong and Southeast Asian cinemas that had this just this level of sadism and eroticism and just fucking unbridled psycho energy that, I mean, and and since porn was essentially illegal, you know, many of these like category three movies would walk right up to that dividing line between porn and respectable, decent cinema and just take a shit on the line, you know, and then slip in the shit and then self immolate for good measure. Each one 
pushed the boundary a little further. And because a lot of these pioneering directors who I'm sure we're going to get into, it felt almost as if these Cat 3 movies were part of their own special genre unto themselves. I mean, sure, you can say that a movie is a thriller or a fantasy or a horror movie, but once you stick that black triangle with the Roman numeral three in the corner, you were officially dealing with a totally different beast. And I think if you want to know more about some of the kind of genre similarities like between these films definitely go back and listen to our untold story episode but one thing that we talked a lot about there that i think is true of almost all cat three movies that is difficult for people to kind of get their heads around if you're watching one for the first time is the wild tonal shift which dr lamb has in spades and it's important to point out that, you know, Untold Stories, 1993, hugely influential, won a bunch of awards, or at least was nominated for some. But Dr. Lamb is the year before, and it's weird because it feels like a response rather than it a does. precursor. It does. You even mentioned this when we were watching them today, John, that you were like... I've never realized this one was before. I always yeah, imagined. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Because there's this, like, weird subgenre within Cat 3... Where like in my head they're all this like related like a TV show where it's Danny Lee and his bumbling gang of cops uh, going after like a serial killer or a criminal. We brought up Twist, which is like a movie I bring up all the time because I love it. It has the the most heinous uh, cops uh, torturing somebody yeah, to get yeah. uh, information out of them. <laughs> and, like apparently they just fill a condom with uh, ice cubes and put it in a body part. <laughs> An ear. Yes, <laughs> Someone's yes. Ear it's a canal. very small condom. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's all they make, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> but the thing is that I, I think you just hurt John. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's wild about about Dr. Lamb that I, I didn't realize because I've seen this movie like three or four we, times. We watch it like once every couple months. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's be real. I was going to say we watch it once a year, but then I realized that... That's not accurate. Yeah. A, a, couple, <laughs> a couple times a year. Maybe three tops. But uh, the thing is, is, is we've always just had this fucking piece of shit bootleg. Fuzzy. And, and like, not to fucking knock it, there is some real charm to watch in these movies in a fucking fuzzy ass muddled bootleg with shitty subtitles. There is a charm to it for sure. But watching it today with you guys, it it did feel in a way like it was the first time seeing a lot of it. I I always knew it felt kind of Michael Manny, you know, with the neon going through fucking raindrops and every scene and that fucking, you know, jazzy saxophone playing like it, it has the Michael Mann vibe. But seeing it in this restoration was like, this movie's gorgeous. I feel like there are some Manhunter vibes yes. now, now that you say it that way. Yeah. Because in my head, the like gel lighting that's so enhanced by the restoration, my head always diverts to, oh, this is Mario Bava lighting. But because it's like blue and neon and there are all these shots with like beautiful neon city signs and billboards it is definitely a little more and also man. just the, the the serial killer who's obsessed with murdering women to get his like fantasy of a of a of a actual relationship in real life 
Yeah. Which is you know, probably the most obvious. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a fucking Miami Vice episode with you know, yeah. some more shit going I always on. wondered if Michael Mann had like a... I mean, I assume he would because like if even if you look at John Will, like before like Michael Mann came around, he made like kung fu movies and stuff. A Better Tomorrow seems like it's vibing off of like things like Thief. Oh, yeah. yeah. I could totally see that. Absolutely. But um, to go back, this is my second time watching it. I haven't watched Dr. Lamb in a few years. And yeah, it's probably the Blu-ray that really did this, but I did not realize how stylish this movie is. Hyper stylish. Yeah. Much more than Untold Story. Way more. Yeah. I mean, Untold Story is is impeccably made, you know? Like, it is made just, it's very, very tight. It has a lot more for you to chew on than this does, you know? And t- like, this is a very straightforward, whoa, it's a serial. Whoa. This is a serial killer movie. I, it's like, I think it's the other way around. Really? Untold Story, not to knock it, I love it, but it has like that, like, America's most wanted or unsolved mysteries, like dramatization kind of feel to it. Yeah. Well, this one definitely is like a fucking Italian horror movie. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it gets weird. And and one of the things that I absolutely adore about it that I never noticed until today is that a, a lot of these Cat Three movies, especially the ones that are like uh, that are more soft corey, that are more just erotic kind of movies, they have that. Uh, who who was it? Penthouse guy. The the like soft focus. You know, was that Penthouse that did the soft focus? Or I mean, they, they all kind of were the soft, soft yeah. focus. But yeah. Penthouse, it's not just about soft focus. It's also like lacy curtains and and that sort of. Whereas Hustler is you know not so yeah, much the into plus that. You. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah, God anyway, bless you. But anyway, uh, <laughs> what I'm what I'm getting at is that. This movie has the soft focus thing going throughout a lot of it, but it doesn't seem like they're doing a camera trick. It's soft focus because some of it so much of it is shot through the windshield of a cab that is like speckled with rain and the light that's coming in is like light from buildings. So it looks like a soft focus dirty porno but they're getting it naturally. It's like the Barry Lyndon of soft focus, you know what I, what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, and I think that also echoes to those... So most of the scenes of the movie, there are basically three locations. Either the police station where he's being interrogated inside of his cab and where he's, you know, picking up women and committing crimes or inside his apartment, which it has almost like a similar stylized feel to the cabs because... It's like he painted the windows blue and there's this like backlighting coming through them. And I don't know if there's supposed to be smoke in the room because it like increasingly starts to look like this weird Catholic shrine, like with candles and incense everywhere. And so it's like it has that like washed out hazy look, whether he's in the cab or his house. And it just makes it like exactly like John said. It, it looks like demons in certain scenes. Yes, yes, yeah. 
It's, I mean, I love that smoky look. It always makes me, that always throws me back to 80s movies. Like, yeah. That's, that's like one of my all time favorite. I don't know what it is, what if they just like let out like a small fog machine and then let it sit for a bit before they film. Or they just are smoking a fuckload of cigarettes yeah. while they're setting up the room. It, it just always makes me think like when I was a little kid and I couldn't sleep and I would sneak out in the living room and put on HBO and watch something I shouldn't be watching. This 100% feels like a fucking late night HBO move well it's a little more extreme than that i mean like showtime there or cinemax but no titty jig no oh, decapitated no. this is but like when you're a little kid like h extreme hbo is like oh this sure yeah, yeah. But, okay absolutely yeah. i totally agree i mean this does like you were saying about how that has this 80s feel this movie which came out in like 91 or 92 it feels like the last 80s movie ever. It, it's it's out of time. It, it, it has that 80s feel and it's... It kind of looks like John showed us this movie during a marathon that I have since been obsessed with. Is it He Lives by Night? The one, so oh, it... Bobby, it, Bobby showed us that. Bobby showed us that, okay. Yeah. But that's the one with the, the radio yep. host. Yes, yeah, yeah so I know that movie. It's, yeah. it's an early 80s pre-Cat 3 rating film that I'm sure must be retroactively yeah, rated Cat 3. I think, was, I think that's how like I've discovered it, looking for Cat 3 movies, and it was recommended. It, it has this very similar look. It's not quite as stylized, and I don't want to give too much away, though I doubt anyone will be able to find it, but it, it stars Simon Yam... Not in the same type of role at all. He's like a cop looking for this serial killer. So it, it like would be an amazing double feature with yeah. Dr. Lamb because they're a decade apart. But it also has Kent Chang as the lead detective. He's who, the big guy, right? He's the big guy. He's yeah. always nicknamed. He and Samo are always nicknamed Fatty in yeah. movies. In, in Dr. Lamb, he's Fat Bing. Yeah, but in He Lives by Night, he's like the surprise romantic lead. And the whole thing oh, yeah. takes place in a radio station. It's fucking amazing. Oh, I loved when he was the romantic lead yeah, in that. Yeah, it's great. they didn't, like, I, I, you would expect in a lot of these Hong Kong movies when there's, like, one of the big guys, like, big in size, doing a romantic thing, they're just going to, like, play it for laughs the whole time. But it doesn't. It, like, takes them seriously and is, like, kind of respectful about the whole, I mean, like, they don't, like... A, pretend like he's you know prince charming or anything right. but like it's a, they do that what's the talking heads guy movie with john goodman as the oh yeah you know what i'm talking about oh uh stories true stories yes yeah, yeah. Like, it's like john goodman and that yeah <laughs> it's yeah it has this weird dichotomy that reminds me of a cat 3 movie where it's like sometimes it's about this serial killer and sometimes it's about this cop investigating the crime who just is trying to get this like hot popular radio DJ to date him. But the movie has a way of like, instead of making fun of him, it makes fun of romance as being inherently kind of ridiculous. And she's like one over because he makes her laugh. Yeah. Well, and it's, it works people. I remember that movie has like a great, like high energy slasher movie chase scene. Oh like yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. 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 He lives by night is, is terrific. But I wonder if there was any influence between the two films. Because the way that that's lit, there's some things that remind me of this. So I think the biggest influence on on Dr. Lamb, other than, you know, the actual murder that took place. Yeah, we'll talk about that. The series of murders I'm sure we'll get into. 
uh, is there was this TV show that ran in Hong Kong that was kind of like a Law and Order show where they they took things out of the headlines. I I'm sorry, I I should have it written down right here. I, I've been trying to track down episodes of it for so like long. Like archived. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, we were talking about this, and we can't find yeah. any that are like subbed or dubbed. Or yeah, anything. yeah, yeah. It's like a detective archives yeah, or something. Yeah, Hong Kong crime archives. Something yeah. like I think that. that's what it's yeah, called. It's, yes, it's something yes. like this. A dream box set for me. Absolutely. And and I, I looked into it, and so many of the episodes have like huge name guys doing like cool shit. Like, and, and Danny Lee would direct some. And uh, who's the guy that we love? Uh, he did like the cat and Ricky O. Oh, yes. oh, Lamb Guy Kai. Lamb Guy Kai directed some of them too. And anyway, there's an episode of this show which may be called uh, Hong Kong Police Bureau Go to Hell Bastards. It's, it's for TV. It's for TVB. <laughs> yes, which is where they all got their start, basically, like Charlie Young Fat and Simon Yam. And uh, but there's an episode of this show, and it's titled Female Butcher, and it stars Simon Yam. So subtle playing the very <laughs> same role basically as the killer taxi driver who kills when it rains every time you know the rain kicks up and he's out there he gets that fucking crazy energy well in in dr lamb apparently in the show it's a lot more restrained also i don't know if anyone if anyone will be able to hear it it probably not but it is raining as we record this episode right now yeah <laughs> the rain is coming out and i just want to fucking how i'm uh, yeah oh. i'm i'm a just barely holding myself together right now. Yeah, so basically the, the general plot of Dr. Lamb, uh, it opens up with the fucking, the cops going, they're getting called into a... Uh, a photo shop. A photo lab, yeah. Uh, some pictures were developed that look a little questionable. Some uh, dead, naked women. And they do some investigating. And then Simon Yam's character goes to pick up his photos. And they, they bust him then and there. And there's a little, there's like a long lull of this like brutal interrogation where they're like brutalizing Simon Yam's body and his family. And just like fucking just being, you know, gross cops, you know, doing their thing. And then they finally get the first confession out of them. And you go into the cab and they have the flashback. And it is so fucking brutal that, like, you you forget for a minute what the whole movie was up until this point, which was just this guy getting abused, you know? Well, it's brutal because the reason that he finally gives, he that he finally says, yes, okay, it was me, I did it is because after what seems like at least 24 hours of straight beatings where they basically hold, they make him hold a telephone book and then hit him in the ribs and the chest with a hammer. It's, it's demented, but how they finally get him to crack is they find pictures like nude pictures that he took of his six year old, seven year old niece. And they show the pictures to his sister and she, in turn, the whole family has this like family-wide meltdown, which is a great scene. But it's because his family start beating him and confront him about the the pedophilia pictures, 
And when he realizes that his family hates him and wants him to die, he's like, okay, fine. Like, yeah, I have right. no reason not to... Totally. It's wild. Apparently, and in, in that's how the case started in real yeah. life. This guy called. He's like, I got these weird pictures developed, which like, why would you, why would you take those pictures get developed by like a third party? I mean, do you think he wanted to get caught by that point? You know, those, those serial killers that like, yeah. they, they want somebody to stop them. I think this guy just didn't have all his faculties going upstairs. He just didn't yeah. think it through. Yeah. By the fourth or fifth victim, you know, it's just he's, he's fully in psycho, antisocial, doesn't understand the world I, brain. I think he was that way from childhood, which the beginning of the film strongly implies. This is uh, a dirty fucking movie, man. It's, it's really nasty. Can we bring up how good Simon Yam is in this movie? I mean, like, he's... Simon Yam is a very attractive, very charming guy. And when I think, like, when I was driving here today, like, I knew we were going to rewatch it. I was like... I remember liking this movie the first time, but it's going to be hard. Like I know Simon Yam much more than the first. This was one of my first Simon Yam movies, I think outside of like bullet in the head. And then I like just knowing how, like, you know, seeing his like pop album and all that stuff. It's like, it's going to be hard to see him as this character, but no, he fucking pulls it off and he plays it. So like pitiful. Yeah. He has a thing where he looks like Simon Yam, but for some reason it's a completely it's different. different energy. No, no. He's, he's fucking scary in this. Yeah, I, I, I said that earlier when I was watching him because his face is constantly contorting in, but not in scary fucking... in like intimidating ways. No. Scary as no. in like, there's no. just something different behind those eyes that are like, yeah. it's weird. I, I would say that Anthony Wong's character in untold story, is scary in an intimidating yes, way and yes. a psycho way for sure like in a physically intimidating way yeah more like like sociopath criminal as well this guy they describe him as abnormal which is like the perfect kind of definition yeah. for him yeah i mean he's it's it's uh, also interesting because there are like like we said earlier similarities between the two movies like john pointed out it almost does feel like, you know, on this week's episode, because yeah. it's like Danny Lee is there and it's almost all the same cops it from is. Untold Story and Twist. But it, Yeah, it's the same crew. But it's like the two characters, Anthony Wong's killer is not really depicted as a serial killer. He's just like this hateful sociopathic guy driven to opportunistic violence when it suits him and you also feel kind of bad for how life has shit on him but in dr lamb he's like a straight up he's a fucking animal he's a straight up serial killer like these are sex crimes not like in in untold story gangsters and hitmen and stuff they're serial killers too technically they kill over and over not technically because they don't have a sexual motivation for the crimes and they don't have any sort of signature pattern like just shooting somebody execution style it's like a signature across all of organized crime not like unique to a person it's different and like for some reason even though like that's fucked up and weird to be able to do something like that the, the, that real life like Dahmer style shit just is it's so creepier. much more creepier yeah and and the way that that he truly does inhabit the role where like John like yeah I, I've known or I've known Simon Yam 
for years now. He's I love amazing. him. He's he's a friend of mine. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course, <laughs> like of course. when I'm having my internal monologue, sometimes you know Simon Yam's like, "Yeah, I think you're doing good, buddy. Your show's great." <laughs> but I literally fucking forgot for the runtime of this movie that this guy was my friend in my head. You know what I mean? Like he like it was fucking so scary and good and disgusting. And this is one of five Cat Three movies that legitimately disgusts me that that makes me feel sick i mean like yeah, they, parts of it are scary and disturbing i, I mean the effects are very good very they're very amazing good. i know like we joke around about the severed titty jiggle jiggle jaggle what did you say jello jiggle jello jiggler <laughs> yeah bill cosby would have approved oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> today's special is jello yeah. This is definitely. If Bill Cosby had seen this movie, it would be a favorite. Oh my God! This is Bill Cosby's all-time favorite movie. Where do you think movie. Pudding Pops came from? Oh Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> Guys, I'm trying to be serious over here. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but like, yeah, like we joke about that scene, but uh, it, it's actually really fucking disgusting, and it like especially the. It's like you get these like two big murder set pieces and the first one, it's almost like cartoonishly over the top and grotesque with great effects. But the second one, the second like big set piece, it's like John pointed out when we were watching it that it almost like dips into Suspiria territory. Yeah. And it's like eerie and creepy yeah but it, I mean, like it's amazing that you can pull that those two wildly different kinds of scenes off in one movie yeah yeah it's and it's the only like stalk and slash kind of scene like from yeah. something from a slasher movie the other ones like he gets the girls pretty quick and it kind of like settles in like what he does after they're dead yeah. which is fucking weird like goes to ed gein exactly territory. Like, like like the first one is uh, it's the kind of kill that like the gore hounds who watch horror movies and slashers and pieces and us people like us who like these movies. The first one it's, you know, Simon Yam dancing with a circular saw covered in fucking blood and howling at the moon, except it's daytime. He's getting, he's getting little blood spatter all over these two parakeets. I mean, it's and in an entire fish tank. There's brains just flying. uh, It's wonderful stuff. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's fun insofar as, you know, you're a fucking weirdo who watches weird movies would think, but then, you know, it's the later ones. And when they go back and they show, uh, I think it, the one that you were saying was the second girl. Was, I think it was the third girl they show. But it's like the second big set. Right. Oh, yes. Right. The yes. other the one's, second yeah, one is, is, is The second quicker. one, they, they, and, and they, they sort of deceive you and make you think that like, okay, the first one's for the gore hounds, like you were saying. The second one's like a shorter version where he's learning to be more fucked up. And it would be yeah. easy to just like keep repeating that formula, but the, but they don't. So the reason why this movie is called Dr. Lamb, I know everyone likes to... He's not a fucking doctor. Yes, precisely. Thank you. <laughs> uh, everyone loves to say he's not a fucking doctor. The cover of the movie's got him in surgical garb. Which he doesn't wear at all in the film. Spoilers. He doesn't wear it. But he's an know. aspiring doctor. Come on. Like, Thank you. you, you know, Thank you. Gotta, you gotta... Like Jack the Ripper. Right. He right. got a couple medical textbooks. You know, he got some nicer uh, plastic to lay down on the ground. He got himself a set of scalpels. You know, the first one was way too messy with the uh, circular saw. So now he's got some real doctor shit. Well, you can't really cut off a titty 
with a circular saw without just like mangling the whole thing. You know, it, it loses its ability to jiggle. It does. It does. My money don't jiggle, jiggle. It folds. I like to see you wiggle, wiggle. This is the sure. only really gory scene I kind of want to get into. Because this is this is the the one that like fucks with me the most. Is is the, when he's severing off the titty with the uh, with. <laughs> the, the titty. <laughs> I sound like a fucking idiot. He's he's using the scalpel, and and to it cut into the woman's breast. Thank you, Sam. You're welcome. I know I know you uh, worked in this field for a while, not as a serial killer, but uh, not as far as you know. <laughs> no, uh, we do have a giant anatomical textbook in the other room. By I the way. know. Yeah, Sam in a previous life was a uh, a mortician, autopsy assistant, an autopsy assistant. Anyway, when he is uh, using the scalpel to... Wait, do do titties jiggle post-death? Jiggle, jiggle. Not the way that they... Not I mean, I know Dr. Lamb's probably way. lying to me, yeah. But, like, I imagine they get kind of harder. Well, not really. I mean, that I was going to say my one complaint is the scene where he takes a circular saw to her torso and her her breasts don't move at all, like, they would jiggle for right. sure. Jiggle, jiggle. Yeah, that would have been way better. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it looks so good. It does. The effects are, are incredible. Anyway, let me get this fucking sorry, disgusting sorry. scene out of, out of my head. As soon as I can say it, I can be rid of it nope, in my mind. Nope, we're going to live there forever. He's, you know, he's, she's removing her, her breast with the, uh, with the scalpel. It seems like it's going a little too slow for him, or he just gets overcome by this, like, psycho, like, crazy man <laughs> shit. So and he crazy. just he stops carefully slicing. Carefully slicing and just starts <laughs> stabbing it I, and stabbing it and stab. It's just fucking. I thought he, like, man. accidentally missed, or, like, he accidentally cut a little too far up and he knew he ruined it, so he just, like, fucked it. I think like, that's what it might be. Whatever it is, it's. It's so unhinged and it's so deranged and it looks like real and it just it it is so gross like it it it, it really fucked with me it's, and it's it's New York Ripper moment and, and oh, the yeah. fact that like plus all the puking and yeah. this this scene comes after because the way the movie's told in like flashbacks and this and that the scene comes after the police find the severed jiggly titty and they're playing <laughs> and with Ken it Chang and throws it on someone's it. back <laughs> everyone's throwing up noodles it's like the slapstick fucking like untold story sort yeah, of yeah yeah it's like a goddamn like fucking like laurel and hardy bit where they're just fucking oh boy i think untold story goes that route further yeah though. it does it does but this but, was first yes, so that's probably yeah. why but it has the same effect where like one minute you're fucking laughing and like laughing at a severed titty, and then the very next scene, they're like, "Oh, you thought that was funny? Here's how it came now off." Now we're gonna punish you, you know? Like, oh, you <laughs> enjoyed that? Well, fuck. Here you go. And it reminds me of uh, Jesus Christ. What's wrong with my head? The uh, American film serial ki- Henry Portrait of a Serial Yes, Man. in Henry. Oh, how it sort of you laugh the with scene, the movie yeah. and then the you're scene. just like made to feel grossed out and ashamed yeah remember yeah. when they go in to buy a fucking a new tv and yeah. and it's this like doofy funny scene where they're in a pawn shop and there's this like you know fat dude smoking a cigarette and he's like ah no the tv's 30 dollars. it's a good deal and they're like i'll give you 10 and like they're bartering you guys come in here i show you this i show you that you creeps got a lousy $50 to spend. You should have stopped me a long time ago. Take the $50 set and get the hell out. I'm a busy man. Well, we were really cutting on a color set. What's the matter? You got shit in your ears? 
The black and white is $50. Take it or leave it. Sorry we wasted your time. Come on, Otis. Don't give me sorry, you dumbass. Did I stutter? Give me the $50 and get out! Don't give you $50! Ah! Otis, plug it in. And they like they kill the guy by throwing a TV on his head, and it's like it's kind of funny. It's I laugh. I think yeah. it's great. And then the very next scene, they cut to the the the, the, the home invasion scene, yeah. where they're watching the videotape that they filmed of their home invasion. It's brutal. It's so brutal. It's it takes its time and it's so fucked up. And then as soon as it ends, you know, uh, Otis has that line. Uh, Let's watch it again. Oh, yeah. He's, oh, yeah. Henry's like, what are you doing? I'm rewinding it. Yeah. I want to watch it again. That's uh. so... I know I've said in previous episodes that I usually am not affected by rape scenes in movies because, like, they don't feel real to me. Like, there's a a rape scene, a necrophilia rape scene in Dr. Lamb that makes all the cops throw up when they watch the tape. But that rape scene at the end of... Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer is oh. one of the only ones where yeah. I I was like, do I need to turn this off? Yeah, H- Henry is one that, I mean, it's very different from Dr. Lamb, obviously, but it feels so real. It's cut from, like, the deep end of the same cloth, I'd say. Yes, yeah, I think so, sure. too. In the way that it also, it makes you feel sorry or at least you kind of sympathize with the serial killer protagonist and you like them in a weird way. Yeah, I mean, like... Maybe not Otis so much, but... It's like that weird thing where, like, you f- you hear, like, the backstory of serial killers and you understand, like, why they are the way you are. And you don't... I don't want to, like, sound like you, you pity... Or you do pity them, but not in a way where, like, you excuse them. You know what I mean? It's that weird oh, yeah. balancing act that's like, I don't know, it's it's, it's difficult to, to For articulate, sure. but you're just like, yeah. I mean, most people who are serial killers had really, really fucked up lives and childhoods and and have been just shit on for forever not all of them i'd imagine yeah. most you know of them, well i was reading an article recently that challenged that idea and was talking about how some of the high profile ones have but like Dahmer didn't really have a fucked up childhood like his parents got divorced yeah like, you know how many people's parents have gotten divorced and they didn't right. turn into serial killers? And also, killers? like, you know, a lot of people have fucked up childhoods that don't fucking kill right, a bunch of people, right, too. Right. So, yeah, yeah. It's, n- it's not an excuse, but it is it is a way for you to be able to empathize with the person. Right. Because, you know, we all know what hard... I mean, not all of us, but, like, most of us know what it's like to have a hard fucking life. And so, like, you know, be so mad you want to get in your taxi... Go for a drive and, and then, then let it rain. Let it rain. Although, on a more serious note, one of the things that I find so fascinating about Cat Three mo- or most Cat Three movies, maybe not the erotic ones, is they do have this sort of underlying way of showing you how urban crime is driven by poverty and it's like people who are doing awful things even the triads a lot of the time it's because life has just given them nothing as an alternative and you definitely get that sense in dr lamb like what else is he gonna do he's 
he's sort of beaten and bullied and ostracized from childhood. Yeah. Not uh, not that I'm excusing. Right, right, right. No, same thing. No, yeah. We're not we're not going to bad for the guy. People but, are going to yeah. roll. Well, it's a movie. He's not a guy. The, well, the, he's the a real, real life. The guy. real he guy. He's a real guy. But not played like. It's he wasn't not as the hot as Simon Yam. Although, saying, which makes it him better. True, but also this is one of the few Simon Yam movies where he's not hot. He's he, right. just sort of skin crawling, which I don't think we said. I'm, I'm sure we've said it on a bonus episode or something, but Simon Yam started his career before he got into TVB as a model and like an underwear model. And yeah. he's, I think part of why I admire his work so much as an actor is not like, not just his range, which you definitely see here, but he has this way of like being very self-aware of his attractiveness and his sexual appeal and using it either as sort of a weaponized way or to challenge people. It's, it's like, this is the same fucking year as full contact where he plays, uh, a gay, like crime, gay magician triad boss. I know. Oh, it's, it's the greatest. This year for, for Simon Yam, it's just, it's fucking incredible. I mean, the guy has been, there's two characters, Yang and Yam. What? Whatever, whatever I was going to say just now is gone, but I, I assure Naked you, Naked Killer it, it also. Important. Yes, yes. Naked Killer. 1992. Yeah. To bringing he, it back to your point, yes, j- j- leapfrogging right <laughs> over John. <laughs> he is truly a titan in this in this genre as as an actor because he has this range and he has the sex appeal. He is the perfect human vehicle for category three films. Totally, but like Anthony Wong, he knows like you know what some of these movies are turned up to eleven, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it. I'm yes. along for the ride. It, it's amazing when you see so many of his films. When he does a role where he's restrained and the whole time you're watching it, it's confusing and there's an extra level of tension. Like like election? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about election. Yeah. Where where he is just fucking blank faced going through this like triad world. Making calm decisions. Calm. Planning in advance. Rational. And election is a wonderful film. No spoilers. You got to see it. But anyway. I, I kind of wanted to ask you guys this because I know this is more y'all's beat than than mine. How accurate would you say Dr. Lamb is to uh, the actual murder event that took place? But also, uh, more broadly, what's the fucking deal with taxi drivers in Hong Kong? Like so many of these movies, be it uh, Taxi Hunter, a great film you know, Dr. Lamb and even just like humming in the background in like random scenes. Like you'll have like a scene in an, like a random action movie in Hong Kong where a taxi driver shows up and does some scumbag ass shit and then is gone. I wonder if the real life Dr. Lamb is sort of like uh who's the, who's the postman serial killer. And now like every time David somebody, Berkowitz. yes. And now every time somebody oh, goes going, nuts, goes, like, postal. Like, goes postal. I wonder if that kind of launched that where, or maybe just like, maybe taxi drivers, like the only job some like, like people can get like, uh, you know, in a better tomorrow, 
when Tai Long gets out of prison, the only job he can get is a taxi driver. Yeah. Maybe that's like something. I, I don't know the answer. I'm just kind of... Well, because... Yeah, and I was thinking in my head... But you're absolutely right. All these movies, the taxi drivers are are like act like scumbags. Yeah, that's funny that you mentioned A Better Tomorrow. That just jumped in my head, but yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to say it because it's one where the taxi drivers are shown in a, um, a sympathetic light. But I forgot that also they're all ex... Cons, ex felons, or like like Sam said, how these movies are all about poverty. Maybe like taxi drivers are fucking scammers. I used to work on the Atlantic City Boardwalk, and there are like these like it was sort of like rickshaws oh, where yeah, you could yeah, sit yeah, down yeah. And, and these guys would would push you. But like so many people didn't do it because they try to scam you. They'd say like, yeah, I'll push you from you know this block to this block for fifteen dollars, and then you got there and they're like, yeah, thirty five dollars. So like after a while, everybody's like, I'm not fucking doing that. Yeah, I'm not getting hassled. I mean. To answer at least one of your questions... Yes, sir, I threw a bunch out. You did. Lam Kor Wan, who is the killer that it's based on, it seems like they wrote the script almost beat for beat what he did. Um, I think the only difference might be the the beginning when they find the image of his niece but that i i think that might also actually have happened yeah that sounds real it's a similar thing with untold story where they followed the actual crime really closely which again goes back to john's point that these almost feel like weird cinematic law and order episodes that are just like taking things right from the news which also John made us watch a movie that I don't think anyone really liked, but we were at least glad to watch The Rapist. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Which is another Cat 3 movie. And that one is also, it's based on this guy named Lam Kwok Wai, who almost exactly like the movie, he raped like 10 to 12 women, murdered three of them, and was caught because he asked some woman if she would go, some woman that he raped. He was like, you want to go to the movies with me? Yeah. And she was like, yeah, just to get away and then like used it to turn him in. Was so, that the one that's like Manhunter where like the head detective starts thinking if he's a rapist and he can get in the mind of oh the rapist? God, oh, my yes. God, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, that so, was a movie. I fucking movie. We hated watched, that. Movie. We watched that the same night as Pituitary Hunter, and it made Pituitary no. Hunter. No, 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 no. Those are two different. different oh, okay, sorry. We watched The Rapist when we had like two other friends over. We like invited our nice friends I'm over, sorry. and we're like, "Oh, John's our movie guy. He, he's got some I'm cool sorry. movies." And like, no, no, don't don't be sorry. I'm glad I got to see it. I would have had to watch it for my book anyway. Right, but but you. <laughs> Played it the same night that we watched that fucking amazing movie that I think Moon Lee is in with the grandpa who chloroforms people and the serial killer. No, who's, that's yes. also a different marathon. Oh my God. That was a different marathon. Are you that's sure? The, that's something demon. Uh, Nocturnal demon. Nocturnal demon. Yeah, Nocturnal yeah, yeah. That was a great one. That was a so different marathon. <laughs> okay. Well, we've had a lot of marathons. Yeah, we've a lot of, watched a lot of these fucking With movies. a lot of like overlapping Hong Kong serial killers. Before we get off the movie that I absolutely do not recommend titled The Rapist. The Rapist. uh, There was one scene in that film that is amazing. Just brilliant. 
there's a character who's like this like dogged low level detective and he's putting together all the pieces and he's, you know, on the computer and he's got some files and shit. And, and, and he has this eureka moment, this, aha, I, I've got it, you know, and he runs out of his dark lab or room or whatever and runs into the big open conference room where everyone, you know, on the forces is huddled around a table and he's like, guys, guys, I've got it. I've got it. And they all like turn around and go, shh. And they're playing a game of Jenga. Jenga, 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 Jenga. And he shuts the <laughs> fuck up for like a minute and they like pull the thing out and like the guys are sweating. They're using these extreme close-ups. It's this like really tense thing and it goes on and on. And then they like put the piece up and everyone goes, you know, breathes a sigh of relief. And they turn around, they look at him. They're like, do you have something to say? And he's just kind of like, uh, like the movie forgot that it was like this dirty rape fucking crime movie and just became this Jenga. You could do a deep cut of like clips of cops doing insane things in category three movies. There are just so many of them. That's my question for you guys. Cops act scummy. They they torture and abuse uh, suspects. They do lots of awful things. Are the, is this supposed to be in a positive light or or, or a negative? So I can't. Tell. I wanted to ask the same question, and this like boggles my mind because Danny Lee. So we haven't really talked about him too much. I assume if you're a fan of Hong Kong movies, you will at least recognize his face. Before he became an actor, he was trying to join the police force and was in the force, but I think like had a conflict because he was also doing some acting training or something like that. So it's like if you join the force, presumably you're pro cop and he's like Hong Kong's most famous on-screen cop. He's a cop in every fucking movie and he directed this one, but like this one untold story and especially twist yeah. they do not seem pro cop at all no, but, but they, at they the don't. same time maybe they are maybe they're just using that like this is the things that we gotta do to get those bad guys you know yeah, yeah we gotta like... rape a female suspect with a giant ice dildo so in in twist there is also this moment where uh which danny lee directed danny lee directed uh where two of the suspects there was a robbery in the beginning and two of the suspects they break off to mainland China and they are oh captured <laughs> in mainland China. And then when Danny Lee and his, his group of uh, other investors, his cronies in blue, even yes. though they don't actually wear uniforms, they just wear the most amazing nineties styles. The two suspects are sitting in these like wooden barrels with like really sharp, you know, chiseled bamboo shoots going into their necks and their faces are all mangled up and they're like, get us out of here. We want to go back to Hong Kong. We have no human rights. It's this big, like anti mainland Chinese police tactic scene. And I think that the movie does it as a, as a joke because the ultimately the cops in Hong Kong engage in behavior. That's just as reprehensible but because the laws are written that they can't show bruising or that like that they're not allowed to torture these people. So all of the torturous methods that they then employ are so creative. And, and Twist is one that I, I highly recommend. And Twist. Simon Yam is up to 11 in that one He's, as well. <laughs> I, I would put him at eight. 
He's he's up there high, but oh my uh, god, the sex scenes! It's amazing. The scenes where he's in the swimming pool, the scenes where he strips down naked in the police—that's not him being station. at eleven. That's him being hot. Cat three sex scenes. They're shot like '90s kids toy commercials, where like they zoom <laughs> in and tilt the camera, and I love it. <laughs> what was that movie you showed us that I loved? Uh, Girl on Fire, is that right? Oh, yeah. Rock on Fire? Yeah, but it was like Rock on Fire, but there was another title, a Girl Something. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which has these like psycho, like the villains in it are these crazy Japanese people who are part of this like left wing army. And I remember like it has one of those sex scenes. He he has sex with an escort, but she's wearing like boxing gloves or something. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, my God. (laughs) So many amazing fucking movies. you guys is there a category three film that you you haven't seen that you like fucking can't wait you can't wait to see it is there one that's on your list that you're like been putting off that you know is gonna fucking deliver but you haven't seen it you want to know i feel like i've seen all the heavy hitters but there's a few that i've been uh meaning like i'm saving them for marathons etc there's one called the un Publicizable, yeah, yeah. the unpublicizable file or something. Yeah, yeah. and there's another one. It's like right at the tail end, like '96 or '97. That's another like Doctor Lamb, Bloody Beast. uh, I think it's like Diary of a Serial Killer or something like that. It just sounds like another nasty, mean, like yeah. Hopefully there will be a Jenga scene. Wow, I haven't (laughs) seen either of those. Yeah, that that sounds. There's a lot. There's I still haven't seen Sentence to Hang, which is like the first Cat Three movie. Yeah. Which, like, they say it's, like, it's not the best and it's kind of tame, but still, like, out of historical respect. Oh, I, you know? I want to see every single goddamn one. Yeah, of them. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Even, yeah, every, even the lesser ones are entertaining. Like, it's, it's very rare I watch one of these movies where I'm like, uh. It's crazy. So, you were the one that introduced me t- to these films. And I remember, like, when I started to get a taste for them, but didn't quite have my palate fully developed. One of the ones that we watched was, was Naked Killer. Yeah, and I uh, I was lukewarm on it. I, I didn't like Naked Killer when we saw it because it was it was like too silly, and they weren't they weren't even taking their own plot seriously enough for. It. Isn't it based off like a manga or something? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you we, can see that they have like this a weird vibe. Not to say that Cat Three movies don't already have a weird vibe, but it's certainly like more. It's like Killer's Romance with Simon, yeah, where right. he has his like greatest '90s wardrobe hits. We rewatched Naked Killer the other night, and holy shit, I love it so much. Like I find, like I fully get it's it. So I imbibed it, and it it feels like a manga. It feels like a fucking anime. There's a sequel, through isn't through. there? Uh, yes. And then there's an offshoot series. Oh, also back up. I still haven't seen Raped by an Angel yet, which well, you guys highly... Well, this is the offshoot series. Oh, So there's wow. Naked Killer, Naked Killer 2, and then Raped by an Angel is somehow considered a Naked Killer sequel. And... And how does it tie into Touch by an Angel? <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm not sure. So I've always heard that too. That the Raped by an Angel series There's is a, a similar spin-off. vibe. I'm not sure. I, I think maybe we got fed some bad information, or or I misunderstood something. Be, no, but it could be know. something that's like headcanon, like how we relate Doctor Lamb and Untold Story together. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, honestly, that question of what is my like most anticipated Cat Three movie that oh, I haven't yeah. seen. The answer would have been Naked Killer because I was just like saving it and yeah. it more than lived up to my expectations. But I guess the one, so I need to see, I still need to see Daughter of Darkness, which we... We watched the sequel during John's yeah. uh, Texas yes, Psychorama. which I loved. But my other, my most anticipated probably Simon movie is this movie that I was trying to watch before this episode, but you know, time gets away from you it's called don't stop my crazy love for you and simon as far as i can tell from the plot becomes obsessed with this like news broadcaster lady and there's definitely some rape and murder involved um i'm all down for that and it's 1993 so it's like prime prime year all right i got a stack of fucking answers but your answer that you just said just reminded me of one that went on my radar like yesterday or two days ago. Oh. Uh, hang on. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. I, I have to read this little synopsis to you guys. It's, it sounds incredible. All right, all right, here it is. It's called Insanity. It's from 93, and here's a review that um, this guy who I really admire, who does uh, all kinds of cool shit, his name's Justin DeClos. He's from Canada. He's the guy that put out the Thrilling Bloody Sword Oh, yes, yes. Thing. A great movie. Yeah, great movie. Really, really cool dude. Um, and here's his, his letterbox review that just, like, fucking got me hyped. Bonkers Hong Kong horror from the director of Super Fights. I don't know what the fuck Super Fights is. I do. Okay. All right, hang on, okay. hang on. Let me, get, let me get this out. A couple moves into a palatial suburb estate and anger a tiger statue, which leads to hallucinations, dangerous omens, and Simon Yam as a knife-wielding psycho attacking in the middle of the night. The first half is a drag-me-to-hell spook-a-blast and even features a killer bedsheet while the second part ditches the evil statue <laughs> angle to deliver a blood simple like climax. But holy shit, that sounds, sounds awesome. so good. I went to find it. The only version that I could find, it had no subs. No subs. I and, know. Uh, the yeah. struggle is real. I'm one of us. We're going to have to learn Cantonese. You're already studying Mandarin. I mean, I they're pretty much the same fucking language. Uh, I mean, they're not. In all honesty, I think I could watch one of these and then just make my own subtitles and well yeah. also some of the phrases i can understand so it's like you yeah, get the gist okay but my my real answer to the question the one that i had planned to say is sex and zen which i've never seen and i know is like super super influential and uh, coming up soon i don't know can i reveal this is it i don't revealed? think so um i'll edit this out if if i if I'm speaking too early, but uh, there is an upcoming screening next month, or I don't know when this episode is due to come out. 
maybe this month. The uh, screening is on September 14th. Oh, cool. On September 14th at the Philomoka, they're doing Sex and Zen 3. On oh, yeah. I think that's been announced. Already. Oh, okay. okay. Good, yeah. good, good, good. Okay, we're chilling. On 35 millimeter, uh, and I'm introducing it. Introducing sex. What are you? What are you gonna say? What are you gonna say? Here's a fucking movie for you guys. You're gonna well, love the boobies. You're gonna love the. I could talk about how there are three main types of category three movies: the crazy serial killer rape revenge type that Doctor Lamb fits into, the triad movies that are mostly about like cops solving crimes and gang violence and then there are the erotic movies yeah and, and, and not that there aren't other little offshoots of but course, those are the three main types yeah and and i i love the erotic movies i've really been getting a taste for them they're the last ones to really grow on me but after seeing like fucking uh erotic er- ghost story 2 erotic ghost story 2 <laughs> we, we covered that in a bonus app the zenith uh it, but it's wait just... we should we should talk about I almost forgot about this. So Sex and Zen, I believe, stars Lawrence, stars Lawrence Ng, for sure. And Lawrence Ng also plays Dr. Lamb. The the unofficial oh, yeah. sequel. Oh, so like the new Doctor Lamb or no, something. No, 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 no. So unlike Untold Story, which had a couple like Less spin-off sequels, sequels. Yes, yeah. they're they're unfortunate. But the like loose sequel to Doctor Lamb is Underground Banker, which oh. has the Doctor Lamb character yes. come back as played by Lawrence Ng. Another great cat three. Oh yeah. And it, it's, it's just Honestly, it fucking it feels like a doll man meets demonic toys it does. or something. Yeah. Where it's the bringing together <laughs> of just like, you know, your greatest heroes, you know. And it's uh, magic. Yeah, Anthony Wong plays like a blubbering idiot, which is one of my favorite types of Anthony Wong's. You know, he's where like he's like doofy dad. He's doofy fucking. He wears dad. a lot of flannel. Yeah, he looks like a total dipshit the whole time. And he, but he wants to do right by his family, but he's just such a fucking ding dong. And anyway, uh, in the end of the movie, you know, some really bad stuff happens to Anthony Wong's family. And uh, in the end of the movie, he needs to get revenge. And luckily, his neighbor is the reformed Doctor Lamb. And then you have this great moment where you have Anthony Wong running around with his giant meat cleaver, his giant meat cleaver, screaming about, "I'm gonna chop you up into barbecue pork buns," and then a Doctor Lamb esque character with scalpels running around. So you got your your untold story meets Doctor Lamb, fucking oh yeah, it's beautiful. It's, so it's beautiful. Good. If you did it in the states, they would have fought. It would have been like Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, but, yeah, but Hong yeah. Kong, like the, the ancient Chinese Brotherhood, would join them together. Yes, yes. Yo, hell yeah. <laughs> and it's it's so good that like normally I would be angry that someone else is appearing in a role that is meant for Simon Yam, but Lawrence Ng is so good yeah, in his own he, right. He, he gets the weird down. Yeah. And in almost a more like deadpan comedic way that is just great. And he just wants a friend. He does. Underground Banker is a great category three movie to watch after you've seen a bunch of cat three movies. Like once you kind of get the genre and then you watch this and you're like, Oh, this is like, it's a warm blanket. But if you haven't seen a whole bunch, it's just like, uh. Yeah, it's almost kind of like a spoof, even though it yeah. came out in 94. Yes. It, it's the Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein of Cat 3s. But I love how it's got like run to kill vibes in it, too. Yeah. It's got a lot going on. It's a it's a really fun flick. 
I learned something. Sorry, I'm, this is a total aside. I'm, we're all over the fucking map here. I learned something the other day from uh, the Thai poster Bliss dude. We were we were chatting, and Phil says that because uh, we just bought a uh, a Taxi Hunter poster off of him. We got a lot of fucking sick Cat Three tie posters. We just bought the Taxi Hunter poster, and he says uh, this title here, what the actual translation is, is the Untold Story Two. Oh yeah, well same director, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're Herman both Yao. Herman Yao, which. Not to like jump way back to something we were talking about earlier, but I do feel like Billy Tang and Danny Lee and their work on Dr. Lamb, it's so much more stylized than Herman Yao's stuff. Yeah. And like we haven't really talked about Billy Tang much, but you just mentioned Run to Kill, which triggered this in my brain. I feel like if you want a more lighthearted recommendation follow-up like charles said underground banker for sure but billy tang's movies after dr lamb take a turn yeah like run and kill and red to kill did he do red to kill he did red yeah to kill. Red which to kill. which looks like dr lamb i would say that run to kill is it's 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 an easier watch run you know and, run and kill. run and kill or run, run and, and kill. kill run and yeah, kill it's, run and it, there's love it's, to kill run and kill red to kill it's, it's, red to kill was a movie i played at a marathon and got dirty looks yeah 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 yeah, yeah. We, we played it at a marathon too and i think there was a lot of like people needing to get up and go for a walk around the yeah, block afterwards it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah yeah it's but to billy tang's credit Red to Kill looks almost as good as Dr. Lamb with that like gel lighting and all kinds of amazing shots of Hong Kong and the apartment tenements. So and I almost wonder if it's like uh, the since Dr. Lamb was a really early movie, it really set the tone for what Category 3 films were. Like there were so many like when you look at all the, the Category 3 movies that came out before it. They're all over the map. Like, you have some Ringo Lamb stuff, School on Fire. You even have John Woo's Bullet in the Head. And But the Lamb Guy Kai movies, I think, well, set no, the stage well, even more. But the thing is, though, is the Lamb Guy Kai movies, like the story of Ricky, that exists in a fucking world of just well, psycho I, insanity I, that, that's on a different planet. I think it's less that, like, it set the tone and more, like, created that, like, dark crime subgenre. Like, yes. it's not, like, triad honorable bloodshed stuff. It's, like, fucking sicko Henry Portrait of Serial Killer shit. That, that's what I mean with the Lamb Guy Kai ones, because her vengeance from 88 oh, yeah. is yeah. one of I the... I totally forgot about that. One of the very first Cat 3 movies to be one of those, like, extreme rape revenge films. Yeah, that is... Her vengeance is absolutely the Category 3 I spit on your grave. But better. No offense. He's just a better director. I've actually never seen I Spit on Your Grave. Really? really? Yeah. I, I, well, I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm I, uh, waiting for the perfect moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I uh, I want to see it in theaters. I want to see a 35 millimeter. Uh, I rented it as a kid because I thought it was just like another slasher movie. And it wasn't. No. no. I watched it <laughs> on a date. <laughs> and Is this like Cannibal Holocaust? Another like no, testing date? Uh, no. It was like... We've heard this is extreme. It was with somebody I was already dating, but it was like, we're gonna, like, most of the time we would just hang out with our movie nerd. For, it was like one of those teenage relationships where you 
just spend most of your time with your friends. There wasn't yeah. like a lot of one-on-one stuff. Right. So it was like, let's hang out and watch a nice movie together. And I was like, I just rented something that I've heard is really wild, but I don't know much about it. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's one of the best titles in history. You have to give it that. Uh, Day of the Day Woman. Of the, woman. Yeah. the alternate title is also so good. And it shows up in a Simpsons episode. What? Does it? In the episode where Lisa goes vegetarian and she's talking to Paul McCartney, they see you see like uh, Springfield and at the drive-in it says, now playing I Spit on Your Grave. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. Holy shit. Calm down, diddly 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 diddly. They did their best. Shoddly diddly diddly diddly. Gotta be nice. Hostility diddly diddly diddly. Oh, hell diddly ding dong crap. Can't you morons do anything right? i'm not sure how we can come back from that anybody got any particular favorite scenes in in dr lamb i know we were talking about the two set pieces but i know that's a generic question it is but but i'm gonna go somewhere with us there there is one thing that i really really wanted to to mention and it's not really a scene so much as it's just this image that's that's burned in my head and i think is one of the reasons why uh cab drivers in every movie afterwards were like it, it's kind of like what jaws did for sharks I mean, sharks were fucking scary before I, okay. psycho did the showers there you go that's a much better one uh, <laughs> we all liked sharks before jaws <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah no what psycho did for showers this does for cabs is there's the scene when the cab is driving and the rain is coming down and the inside they have like a white light inside the cab so it looks fucking alien and eerie and it's just driving down and the music the music in this movie is so fucking good and it's just playing over this image of just this bright cab coming at you and it's so sinister ah it's it's burned in my head everyone's going to roll their eyes because this is the most obvious comparison in the world but hear me out because it works taxi driver you got Robert De Niro just sitting in his cab going crazy the whole movie. But then he goes back to his apartment where he like he relives his fantasies. He stares in the mirror playing with the guns and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, also like Robert De Niro, who was like a good looking guy. But for some reason, Not Travis. like Simon Yam. Well, yeah, but I mean, still like a regular handsome dude. But in Travis Bickle, he plays like a pathetic loser and he looks like gross and kind of grimy. Very similar. The same like the, the car is this like weird vessel. Soul of like, yeah. you know, lit weird, and it's just like the psycho guy right behind the wheel. But the the one scene that really fucks me up, he's like a misogynist killer the whole movie. But the last victim, uh, he's yeah. like, it's like it's like beyond the darkness. He's like in love with her, and then he like lights all these candles and has this shrine. Oh yeah, and like he's like, we're both virgins, so this isn't like rape this is me making love to you and it's such and like, she's and she's dead yeah and the girl plays a great corpse oh like my she, god eyes wide open so like good. i can't even see a pulse on her oh yeah. my god and, and like she's sitting on a rocking chair and her dead face is just going back and forth into his yeah. chest while he's doing his psycho routine it's, me- meanwhile they cut back to the cops watching a tape of it at the police station and they say and they like say that video. he yeah he yeah. well he makes this comment that like we're the perfect bride and groom like in his head this is 
all yeah. the candles are lit because yeah. it's a wedding ceremony. Yeah. In the police station, they, they they have this line where he says, it's been going on for a half an hour. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, someone else is like, nope, 40 minutes. Uh, and then he turns around and, and smiles at the camera in the, I think, maybe the only true typical Simon Yam moment of the whole film where you see his dimples come out a little bit. Yes. But I definitely... That's one of my favorite scenes for sure. But I also agree with Charles. I just like love the scenes of him driving around. And when he first picks that woman up, that teenage girl up, like it's like he slowly descends with her in the car to the point where he has her handcuffed and is forcing her to listen to music. And when he pushes the tape in, it's just the Dr. Lamb soundtrack, which... I, you know, didn't know this till recently, but it was done by Bon Wong, who also did the Taxi Hunter score. Oh. Which I I think we maybe mentioned Taxi Hunter, but it's, if you've never seen it, it's a Herman Yao film starring Anthony Wong as this nice guy whose wife gets killed. I don't want to spoil too much of it, but his wife gets killed in this horrific taxi accident and he just fucking he just he snaps. goes on a one man fucking taxi driver killing mission yeah, where, where kill it's a reverse it's a reverse yeah. Dr. Lamb instead of the yeah. taxi driver killing the people the people are killing the taxi drivers but it's, it's like it's, only the bad taxi drivers of course to, to justify it, it. yeah 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 it, it, taxi hunter is a lot of fun uh, is there any other things you guys kind of want to hit on? I feel like, I know we don't usually do this, but I feel like in our, our the bonus episode we're going to do, I, I want to keep talking Category 3 movies. I have this, like, top five list I'll, I'll well, get this, to. So this is the problem with, you know, I know that you and I feel differently about this, and you said in your intro, you know, you basically apologized for us doing another serial killer cat three movie episode when there are all these justifiably other things we haven't talked about. But like in my dream world, every like six or seven episodes would be a cat three episode. Like that's why I feel like we've gone on so many tangents. Cause we're just so excited. To yeah. Be talking, <laughs> to totally. be talking Our about next it. cat three episode has to be like not a serial killer. Movie. Oh, we'll have yeah. to do something completely yeah, yeah, different. Yeah. yeah. That was the original plan. But when this fucking Blu-ray was coming out, well, here, I know, we I know. Gotta we'll do it. You know, like, we gotta, there's a fucking new Blu ray out from Unearth Films. Please pick it up, yeah. you know. Whenever any fucking Category 3 movie comes out on Blu ray, you gotta do it's your fucking, gift. your duty and, and pick it up. There is coming out right now from this site called, is it Code 404 or? Yeah, Error Code 404. Yeah, yeah. Is the name of the label. They are putting out two fucking blu-rays one of the centipede horror oh, a yes, wonderful yes, film that yes. i cannot wait to re-watch but the one that i'm more excited for is red spell spells red yeah. which is on my list of ones that i'm dying to see i have been wanting to see it for years the only version that i could find anywhere was on on youtube and i found it because i typed in the title in thai Wow. And, I, and that's how I that like I found it. That was of you. I really needed to find this fucking movie. You know, I had to find it. This is like me and Lude Lizard. Yes, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Lude Lizard. That episode's got to come. Anyway, 
I found it and it just it looked fucking terrible. There were burnt in subs, but I could only read the upper half of them. Uh, yeah. And so I, I was like, okay, you know what? Someday I will just I'll watch it. I'll do it someday. And I never ever in a million years expected it to get a blu-ray release. right right you you would think you would just find like a shitty bootleg somewhere yeah. by like chance yeah apparently from what i what i have gleaned there's a lot of uh scorpions in the film in red spells spells red yeah probably dying in horrific ways i am sure these scorpions yeah. don't make it out alive so, what's the like fuck? killer snakes yeah. it's like it's how many snakes die that calamity of snakes movie they say that like they like literally like bulldoze like a thousand snakes to death in one scene i yeah i can't wait to which see is that more one than too. killer snakes yeah calamity of snakes is the one where they're like all in the fucking apartment yeah building. they just kill a mil- uh yeah we i don't know if we really talked about this much in untold story but or in the Untold Story episode, but a lot of these are set in just, like, crushingly depressing tenements. Like, Red to Kill, the it, the plot is basically, like, this rapist serial killer type, sort of like a way more aggro Jim Bro version of Dr. Lamb, who's triggered by the color red. It's like he's able to get away with his crimes because of the way these tenements are set up and how it's like, nobody cares about the people who live there. And that's, that's like, you can find it all the way back to the late seventies in Shaw brothers, horror movies. It's like such a present theme in Hong Kong horror is being set off by the color red. Like that's a trope in other movies in Marnie. Right? Yes, yes, yeah. that's right. It's and like the a, inversion of that in Marnie. And isn't there Memories of Murder? Do you ever see that? The, I love Memories of Murder, and, and I it, would love us to do an episode on it. But that's in that too, right? Doesn't like, did she wear like a red like raincoat yes. or something? That's It's been a long time for me. I think it's got the, like a criterion. Park Chan-wook film? Yes. Yeah. And, but like, it's been years, but I remember that being a thing. And I wonder like if it goes, but I feel like it's like a classic trope, like... That goes like way back. Oh, you see red, you go fucking crazy. Yeah, like, like a bull. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Dr. Lamb's trigger is rain. Way rain. more chill. But rain, but not just like a little rain. Like he doesn't mind the little drizzle, but right. when it starts coming <laughs> yeah. down in buckets, when it starts raining cats and dogs, he goes fucking murder crazy. I think my trigger's probably uh what's the Seagram's ginger ale? Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I see someone crack open a Seagram's ginger ale, I just, I get this fire in my eyes and it's just murder time. Canada dry. I'm fine with. Right. You got any shout outs, Sam? Any, anything, any, any people in the world? I guess my only real shout outs, plugs, things of that nature. Always thank you to Cinepunks, our, our wonderful hosts. Don't forget to check out their many other podcasts, especially now that we're starting to get into spooky season. They have a ton of great stuff coming up and usually always do really amazing above and beyond content for Halloween. Yeah, and I know that they were setting up a uh, a channel on Twitch to do movie marathons. Which we need to get in on. Yeah. We keep saying we want to do it. We just got to find the time. Yeah. Um, the, and then the only other thing is in in August, so they will both be live by the time this episode comes out. I guest hosted on two projection booth episodes, 
one talking about uh, the incredible Black Lizard, both the the text by Edgar Rampo and the two adaptations. And then I just did another episode with them on Bertolucci's The Conformist, talking about the great career of uh, Jean-Paul Trintignant, who just passed away. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. I watched the Fukusaku adaptation of Black Lizard. It's so and, good. Oh my god, it's awesome. And completely different from what like, I expect from Then again, he's been all over the place too. But I always just think of his Yakuza movies. Oh, that's the Jewel Heist. Yes, flick, right? Yes, oh, it's incredible. It's so oh, good. Oh, it's With so Miwa. good. Yeah. So yeah. one of our regular listeners, Sean, actually requested that we do a, an episode, not just on Black Lizard, but on Miwa's films for Right. I would love to. Yeah. I've never seen. Is it Funeral Parade of Roses? Yep. I want to see that so bad. I, I, oh, yeah. Let's do a fucking double feature episode with that and Black Lizard. Well, there's also a Black Rose Mansion, oh, which is the yeah, sequel yeah. to Black Lizard. So triple feature. Oh fuck yeah, fuck yeah. I would love to do that. Ep. But Miwa is the the person who plays the Black Lizard jewel thief lady okay. who mm-hmm. was. Who was a female impersonator who had a whole incredible music career and is in all these movies and was just like aggressively, bravely challenging lots of like gender norms. Oh, yeah. And is amazing. Yeah. It was, I didn't, was not what I was expecting at all. Like, I thought it was like, oh, Fukasaku fucking jewel heist movies. Yeah. And it's like, and it's, it feels like a Bond exploitation movie in a way. It has it that does. like colorful, like, like deadly is the f- deadlier than the male kind of like just. Oh, with yeah. The, yeah. I was pleasantly wax, surprised. The crazy wax figures, one yeah. of whom is played by Yukio Mishima, yes. who wrote the script. Uh, what a great movie. You got any shout outs, Johnny? Uh, I'm not going. I Forgive me. I forget their name. Whoever posted on our Discord that page from Swamp Thing with all the sick movie posters, apparently like Swamp Thing goes to the movie theater. You see Dawn of the Dead and Twitch of the Death Nerve. What? what? Yeah, you didn't see that? No, on, I didn't on, see it's this. It's on our Discord. You're the you're the admin, so there's images going on that you haven't. Bro, I have just been smoking fucking weed in yeah, the basement. Well, we also just moved Fortnite. and unpacked and. Well, anyway, it's like that's it, awesome. The, yeah, yeah, I'll have to check like, it out. It's like this is from Swamp Thing issue forty eight, and it's like somebody's like talking to a guy at like a movie theater like uh, ticket booth, and you see all these sick posters, and Twitch of the Death Nerve is one of Holy them. Holy shit! Holy shit! Yeah, we need to get oh, caught up so on the sick. Discord. Wow, that's awesome. I got a shout out uh, for this Instagram page, Kung Fu Bob's Art, and Bob in general. Great fucking dude I've been chatting with. He just did the artwork for the upcoming 88 Films release of Ebola Syndrome. And a couple days ago, I was I was looking at it. I first saw it, and I was like, holy shit. And I showed it to Sam, like, this is fucking awesome. It's so good. It's it's so fucking sick. And He did the Chinese boxer, too, right? Yep. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. He's done a lot of them. Like, yeah. Really, really great artist. like, Mad Monkey Kung Fu. Give, yeah. Give, if you're listening and you made it to this fucking end of the episode, uh, give him a follow. He's, he's fucking totally rad. And I'm so happy that Ebola syndrome is finally coming out in fucking England. Of all places. Yeah, they need it. Yeah, well, it's also wild how there's become this, maybe not intentional, but this like rivalry between 88 films and Vinegar Syndrome in the sense that, and like I worked with both of them, so I, I don't mean like rivalry in a negative way, but it's like 
for years, most of these films weren't available at all. If you could see them, you managed to dig up some shitty bootleg the way that Dr. Lamb was for years. But like, we've now reached this point where it's like 88 films will announce something and it's this great restoration and has all these special features. Then like a couple months later, or even two weeks later, vinegar syndrome was like, Oh, we're doing a different version with all different special features. Yeah. And so people are having to buy both versions. And I feel like, like I, I'm on the vinegar syndrome, Ebola, uh, syndrome, which is a mouthful disc, but it's like, I also want to get the 88 films one because it. it's like... Get them all. That's get the fucking all. answer. Yeah. Just yeah. fucking get them, you yeah. know? You know, get you know how all. many copies of The Misfits Walk Among Us I have? Yeah. <laughs> when I was yeah, a kid, I, I owned four copies of Army of Darkness on DVD. I had the Boomstick Edition. I, I remember had, that. I yeah. had that. I had the one that had the other ending, you know, the Bruce Campbell yeah. versus the Army yeah. of Darkness one. I had the bare bones first release that just had fucking nothing on it. I have the Gates of Hell Paragon video, Gates of Hell oh, Creature yeah. Feature. Yeah. So fuck it. Anchor Bay. Just keep buying. Yeah, yeah every uh and also if you if you do like this show, we do uh the episodes come out a week early on Sam's Patreon and we we do fucking bonus episodes. We've been kind of slacking lately because we just moved and it's and been, John works two hundred thousand yeah, hours it's, a week. It's brutal. I uh, uh, yeah. I think it's I'm not just been gonna... a very fun summery summer. Yeah, yeah. We, we need to fucking extreme contrast from last summer. I know. Extreme. We had so many fun yeah. adventures. Yeah, we have to make up for it in September and October. But yeah, if you like the show and you want to listen to our bonus episodes, get the episodes a week early. Sign up for Sam's Patreon. It's like six bucks a month, and it'll help. Help put Sam through college. You know, she wants to go back and get her... What? Uh, I've already been to grad school a few times. I think that ship has sailed. Nah. But you can help me pay off all the times that I have already been to grad school. <laughs> yeah. All right. That seems like it. What else do you guys got? You guys got anything else? We love Simon Yam. We love Simon Yam. He's so fun. When are we going to do our next Simon Yam episode? In a, two weeks. Not a... Not a taxi driver. Hang on. I, I dug this up. I what need are you to bring doing this on up. your phone? The episode's over. What are you doing? No, no. Oh, no. Did it's I never it? over. What are you doing? Come on. I, we got to sign off. Oh, no. We're signing I off. I've lost it. Uh, That's it. Well, anyway, there was this uh, uh, truck night, driver who um, walked to the police station and handed him a severed booby. Apparently, he was like a serial killer truck driver. There are a bunch of those. Yeah, I set yeah. you up for that shit earlier, John, when I asked about the fucking serial oh, killer question. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was you trying to set like you guys yeah. up. I but was like, no, you set up why, why Hong Kong guys Listen, are seen in this negative way. You gotta when have you... your fucking notes in front of you when, no, when no, we're doing no, no, the goddamn no, 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 show. No, you can't just pull out your phone. After one shout outs. shout outs. I was shouting the guy out. This is what happens when you ask three or four questions at once, is we can only answer one and a Half and then the question was, why are they in a negative in Hong Kong yet. movies? Thank you. I didn't even get to talk about the serial killer situation in Hong Kong and China. That's what wild. I was trying to fucking. That was the question I asked was, you about. Was, what about so the fucking so serial killer? Question. Well, I was so, trying to phrase it so that was, that was like fake news All right. stuff. Alright. <laughs> On our happy hour episode, we'll discuss China's serial killer problem. Alright, alright. Live up. at 10. Coming up next. See you later, everybody. <laughs>